Welcome to the Unborn Movement by Words to Inspire. We invite you to be informed, to be involved, and to be in prayer. On these podcasts, you'll hear stories from women and men who tell of the damaging after effects of legal abortion, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Such a dark stain on our nations around the world. The ripple effect on moms, dads, grandparents, and siblings impacts not only this generation, but generations to come. We are committed to also telling you through these dynamic stories about the amazing grace of our Heavenly Father. He offers love, forgiveness, and restoration to all who call on Him. We pray that every podcast highlights God's healing grace. And now today's podcast. Jen Burley, welcome to our event tonight. Hi, Ruth. So good to see you. I mean, you are a supporter of the Unborn Movement, and uh, but you're also our guest keynote speaker tonight, and you are a brave girl to be able to share your story uh, with us tonight, and we're so glad that you are willing to do that. So, Jen, first of all, tell us a little bit about your home, about your family right now. Well, uh, I'm married. My husband is David, and um, we have four children together, and we are in the Hamilton area, and uh, I work full-time, and my husband is in seminary full-time right now. And your children? Uh, they are 23, 21, 18, and 15, and all very busy. And you're a busy woman, and yet you have a passion to tell your story because it's a story that has a lot of pain, but also a lot of redemption. So, Jen, take us back to that last year in high school. Tell us about your relationship with a boy and what happened tragically after that. Well, yes, like you said, it was my grade 12 year, and uh, I thought I was in love, and um, I'm, you know, I, we ended up uh, pregnant, and it was my mother's worst nightmare. When I told her, uh, when I got off the phone with my doctor and told her, she, it was her worst nightmare come true. My first reaction was actually joy, um, believe it or not. I, I was a little bit excited about it, but nobody else was. Um, including the father and his family. And my father just simply said, you're having an abortion. There was no, no discussion at all. Uh, that was um, simply abortion. That's it. Um, mostly so that we wouldn't, I wouldn't bring embarrassment to my family uh, or the neighbors with this unplanned pregnancy uh, so I did as my parents told me to do. My mother dropped me off at the hospital in the morning. I was 18 years old. I signed the paperwork. I finished my grade 12 years, signed the paperwork, went through with it. And at the end of the day, my father picked me up. And um, that was the beginning uh, of a wound that would begin to fester over the years. Mm-hmm. Jen, uh, abortion seems like a very quick fix for a lot of people, that it will just, you'll be over it. Can you uh, speak about that in your own life? 
Yeah, it seemed like a quick fix at the time. It seemed to solve everybody else's problems. You know, um, uh, the boyfriend's mother was, was concerned about his uh, career and his school. Um, so it seemed like to everyone else a quick fix at the time. But for me, it wasn't a quick fix. It was something that I, I carried with me day in and day out. So a year or so later, you met with another crisis. Can you tell us about that and how that impacted you uh, regarding your abortion? Well, um, as often happens um, in couples where an abortion has taken place, uh, that relationship doesn't survive. And that's inevitably what happened to myself and my high school sweetheart. We, the relationship broke down and within the year, before the year was even up, um, I found myself spiraling into depression um, and not really understanding the emotions I was feeling. I was feeling very alone, I can tell you that. I, at the time, I got drunk. I tried to drown myself in Lake Ontario and that didn't work. And the ex-boyfriend was annoyed with me that I had embarrassed him in front of his friends. I called my best friend. She was working at a pizza shop. She said, well, I'm working. What do you want me to do? And I, I, there's just no hope at the time. And I came home and I just, I was obviously upset. And I said to my mom, you know, I'm just very upset. I'm not hungry for dinner. I just want to go upstairs and lie down. Please don't disturb me till the morning. And I knew what I wanted to do. I, I went up into the medicine cabinet and I took as many pills as I could take. I just kept swallowing them and I just wanted it to be over the pain. I wanted to stop the pain. And I lay down there and I waited to fall asleep. I don't know what I was waiting for. I was waiting for it to be over. And I imagined the next morning, my poor mother walking into my room and finding me there dead. And that thought horrified me because my mother was a very kind woman. She was so loving and so supportive in many ways. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't go through with it. So I came downstairs and I had to tell my mother what I'd done. And so my parents took me to the hospital that night uh, with a suicide attempt. And there was a point in, in, in the night at the hospital where my parents had gone home there was no boyfriend, no best friend there. I was alone. I was truly alone. And I was at rock bottom for the pain. But there was somebody present with me there, and that was the Lord Jesus. He was with me that night. And he said, your story is not going to end here. I have a purpose for you. Jen, you're sharing this deep pain and the purpose that comes from it is what all of us need to hear because every one of us has suffered pain of some kind. And the way that you look at it now, you didn't see that at the time. I remember when we first talked about that, you felt so alone through several years. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember you saying to me, you know, it took two for you to get pregnant, but where was he? when you needed him right. and and the aloneness of being in that hospital alone and all of that deep pain and here you are now jen we look at you beautiful and just glowing and just knowing that 
even though you weren't aware of it at the time, later on, you recognized that Jesus was right there with you. He had never left you. What were those words that he said again? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He also said that your story did not end there. Yes, my story did not end there. And all of this pain, we see now on the unborn team that God is using your story as a passion to drive you because that pain was so deep. Uh, you know, you and I met for just a few minutes a couple of years ago, but we really haven't spent time physically together. But we feel so bonded because your passion now is to take your story and share it and help to open up the conversation in the churches. And that's why it was so great to hear Pastor Jeff tonight and his support of the unborn movement. Jen, tell me why it's important for you that we would get the abortion conversation started in our churches. Well, I've got to tell you, it was, I've been sitting on this deep, dark secret for years, this skeleton in my closet, going to church week after week. And um, we've spoken, you and I, before about pain in the pews and how we really don't know what the woman in the next pew over has gone through. We don't know her story or her pain. She could be like me, who held that in for so long, for so many years. And it's hard because to open yourself up and to share that story, you're making yourself vulnerable whether it be from the Christian church or, or from non-Christians. You know, it's a, it's a painful part of my past. But bringing that into the light for me was very healing. Um, it was a long journey, I have to tell you. Even after that suicide attempt, uh, when I was 19 at the time, um, there were still years after that where I had to deal with the pain of my choice of abortion and the consequences that brought. But over the years, God has really uh, restored me and brought healing into that deep, dark place. And I just want others to know that there is hope and they don't have to be in darkness anymore. They can bring that out. And, and that as a church, we need to come behind them and love these women and bring them to Jesus for healing. Yes, I believe in Pastor Jeff's story, he was talking about a woman that came to him that had had an abortion decades ago, but had never told anybody. And I think that story is repeated. And since you have a pastor that has really supported you and encouraged you in your story, I'd like to just take a moment right now and give a big shout out to some pastors. Uh, these pastors that I'm going to uh, name right now have had uh, somebody from the unborn team, uh, myself and somebody else into their church during a regular service time or uh, another day of the week. And these are the pastors so far. This is last year. Pastor RJ Siamachero from Windsor Christian Fellowship, Pastor Jeff Trent, uh, Bell from Trentside, who you heard from tonight, Pastor Tim Gibb from Bethel in Sarnia. Some of these have endorsed the book, but in some way they have come alongside and said, yes, we want to support what you're doing. Uh, Pastor Kathy Chermachero from Windsor Christian Fellowship, Pastor Ralph White and Pastor Devlin Camsall from Cameron Community, Pastor Reverend Mike Lee from Ridgewood Community Church in London, Ontario, 
And then a couple of churches that had women's events that allowed us to come, uh, Cambridge Forward Baptist Church and also Central Church in Alora. And I also want to just mention two pastors that were inviting us into our home, but due to our uh, 2020 lockdown and closing of uh, ministries, uh, we, those were canceled, but I'm looking forward to them. Those two churches that were on our calendar, Devonwood Community Church in Windsor with Pastor John Naposlin and Gilmore Baptist Church in Peterborough with Pastor Ben. And we know that there are many more churches. Jen, you've offered to come along with me to go to some of these churches and to share your story and get this pain out there so that women and men, because it's not just women, it's the fathers often, it's the grandmothers, it's the siblings, the ripple effect. And we've talked about the ripple effect. Can you talk a little bit about the ripple effect in your family? Yeah, I just want to share an example. This, um, the boyfriend's mother that I mentioned earlier, um, I still keep in touch with her on occasion. And one of the sad things is this would have been her only grandchild. Um, her younger son was tragically killed and um, my ex-boyfriend went on to marry but never had children. Uh, and that's a loss that I'm sure she feels. And because it's done through abortion, you feel like you don't, you're not entitled to grieve. You're not entitled to feel that loss. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very sad for her. Um, even for my ex-boyfriend, maybe he, even though I don't keep in touch with him, he may still regret that. And um, that would have been a sibling to my children today. And um, just amazing God's timing. I don't know the date that that child would have been born, but I do know that that child would have born 30 years ago, early January. So 30 years ago right now, um, that child would have been born. Wow, that's, that's quite a ripple effect. The generations are impacted by the choices. And one of the things that really stood out in your story to me is the help that you got from different places. And um, one, one particular counselor helped you come to terms with some of the choices that you've made. Could you share a little bit about that? Yes, well, I have to back that up a little bit because um, my oldest daughter, who is 23, um, also came home uh, with a teenage pregnancy. Uh, but instead of pushing her into a decision that she wasn't ready for, I took her to a pregnancy support center where we live and got her support for her unplanned pregnancy. But while I was there, um, I was introduced to a post-abortion recovery program and walked me, she walked me through that journey uh, prayerfully, step by step, exploring that and grieving that loss. Um, and it just really helped me. It really helped me to over, overcome that, just to say, okay, that was a life. And I, for me, I believe it was a son, but that was a life that God had created. And I had a choice in taking that life, but God brought healing to me through that post-abortion recovery program which I think a lot of women have never had the opportunity to do. And they, again, they continue to carry around the burden of pain. Mm. Now you have had mentioned how important it is for our churches to support the pregnancy centers. 
can you talk a little bit about that and what we could do if there isn't a pregnancy center in our area? Yeah, I, that's I'm an area I've been most passionate about. I think because of this, no matter where I've been, I've tried to get connected to a pregnancy support center as a volunteer or you know, any way I can. And I think that um, as a body, a church body, we need to get behind these pregnancy support centers. I don't think there's enough of them for one. I don't know that there's enough funding for them. And even if there isn't, if it's a small town, well then you, the church, start one there. Um, the church I attended when I lived in the Scarborough area, they had one that wor worked out of their spot at the church there. It doesn't have to be a big fancy center. It just needs to be a place where they can meet Christ and find his healing and his forgiveness. What is the uh, uh, part of your story that you most want to, uh, to share with people tonight? For me, it's the fact that um, Jesus met me where I am when I was still a sinner. I am responsible for doing a horrific horrible act but he loved me just as I was just as I am right now he didn't wait for me to have it all together or to be a good Christian he saved me when I was still a sinner and I think that is true no matter what you've done or who you are but I just need to shout that from the mountaintops that I am redeemed and I am forgiven and I thank him and I praise him for that Oh, that's beautiful words. And everyone listening tonight, we want you to know that no matter what you've done, God is there to redeem. And, and it starts with that repentance and recognizing how much we fall short. Jen, you were so passionate about the unborn movement. I could just feel your energy and desire to be part of this movement. Your story is not in the book. So tell us why you're so passionate about the movement. Well, it's kind of ironic because just before your book came out, Ruth, I was just sitting in my backyard scrolling through Facebook one day and I came across this little blurb. It was sort of an ad for the book that was coming out. And I just knew right away that the timing was right for this. And I, I, I reached out to you. I got connected with you. I'm like, Ruth, this is going to really open the door. This, these stories need to be told. We need to be talking about this and sharing about it. And I think God had been working on my heart too. I think his timing is, is perfect, of course. Um, but yes, he laid that burden on my heart just as soon as I came across that book and um, got my hands on it. And I was just uh, so happy to get connected with you and um, be a part of the movement. So what do you want to see happen next in the Unborn Movement, Jen? I'd really like to see some conversations opening up in the church and our churches across the country and into the U.S. Um, I think it's, it's a deep, dark issue that nobody really wants to talk about. But I think we need to talk about it. In my, my scripture reading this morning, I was in Matthew and I was talking about Jesus sitting among the sinners. And the Pharisees were like, well, why are you sitting among these tax collectors and sinners? Because they came to heal the sick. That's why. And that's what we need to do. We need to have these conversations. We can't bury our heads in the sand anymore. Um, this world um, is growing increasingly wicked. And I think we have a responsibility as believers to stand up for what's right. I think we need to pray and ask God to give us his heart for these unborn children and give us this passion 
and uh, give us courage to have these conversations in our churches. So Jen, what would you say to the woman that is um, right now contemplating aborting her child? Uh, could you uh, help her to understand uh, a little bit from your story what you would suggest to her? Well, I will repeat what I said earlier, that abortion is not just a simple quick fix. I went through years of pain after that. And when I went through the initial panic of my own daughter coming home, teenaged, pregnant at 17, we overcame the initial panic and we found a way. There is always a way. And it's not as dark and bleak as it seems. And to me, the shame is greater for me to have admitted that I've gone through an abortion than to have admit to you that my daughter had a teenage pregnancy because now I have this beautiful baby boy. Well, he's not a baby anymore. He's, he's five years old, but um, you know what? It's not as dark and as bleak as you think there is hope and there's help out there. There are other options. That's so great. And your, your value of life is so, so important and valuable to us. Jen, you know, when you say there's help, I'm thinking of the young girl right now. She has, she's on maybe drugs and, um, uh, and has no money and she cannot understand any or see any possible way of raising a child, let alone supporting a child. She's alone. She's confused. She has, she's really doesn't know what to do. Can you just talk a little bit about how we can make a difference in our churches for that young woman? Well, there, there are lots of ways. There are practical ways, ways that we can come alongside them. If they choose to, to parent that child, we can come along we can, with diapers and clothing. We can get them connected. There's more and more organizations out there that will support with a basic layette. And there's, there's still the option of adoption. I mean, there's... There's nothing wrong with carrying a child the term and saying, you know what, maybe I'm not ready to be a parent, but somebody else is ready and willing. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that you have counselors out there to direct you and counsel you. What are your options? What does this look like? I mean, I wish I had that when I was 18. Because you know what? I really just needed somebody else to give me the courage to stand up and say, no, this is not what I really want to do. Even in those moments, when I was in the OR, just before the procedure happened, I looked at the nurse who was busying about doing her job. I looked up at her and I looked her in the eye and I said, please tell me this will be over quickly. But what I really meant in my heart was, please tell me there's another way that I don't have to do this. And so I think that's what young women need to hear, that you don't have to go through with that, mm -hmm. that there are other options and that there's hope and not to make this decision in haste. As such, those are such good words. And there are good resources out there and we need to be connected, find out what they are. We are going to be doing, uh, making some resources available to you as you get your uh, emails from us in the coming days. But there's one that has been significant that, uh, that you've used some of their, their uh, material, Jen, and that's uh, CAPS. CAPS stands for Canadian Association of Pregnancy Support Services. Tell us a little bit about that well, and how that's I'm been not helpful that familiar to you. With them, but from what I understand, a lot of the pregnancy support centers um, are connected 
through that parent organization, at least the one that I went to, um, Atwell, is connected through CATS. And they have a, a lot of resources and materials that are even useful just taking in for pastors and into the churches as well. So that's excellent. Yeah. Lots of good organization. I know once the movement started and I started looking around, discovering that there are lots, Silent No More, Together for Life, uh, one of the contributors to, to Unborn, Denise Mountney from the West Coast. She has an organization, Together for Life. Uh, a, an endorser, Laura Claussen, Choice for Two, a great organization providing materials for young women, young women in unplanned pregnancies and so these are services that are available but you know what why did we have to start another movement there's so much going on so many things when you start looking but they don't have Carrie Amy Jen Arlene and me this is unique to us and we want to bring to the world, to Canada, to the United States. We've had um, international people on our calls that came previous to this launch tonight. And we're just very excited about the opportunity of being able to, to share these stories, get rid of the stigma and bring glory to God. And that's a movement that's worthwhile being part of. And we want you to be a part of it. Uh, you saw on the slides, you can be a part of this and we want you to be. Everyone in this, in this uh, Zoom meeting or on Facebook Live, you can be involved in this unborn meeting, some, or unborn movement. Sometimes it's nice to be part of a movement that you know personally someone in it. And so as we reach out to our friends, we believe that God is going to bless mm. this and make it a movement that is going to change lives for God's glory and change the abortion narrative in Canada, the U.S., and beyond. So, Jen, speak to us what is in your heart right now. I'm just thinking about um, our church, the church, and I'm just thinking, you know what, we need to be in prayer uh, we need to come against abortion in prayer, I think, number one. Um, we need to pray that God would share his heart with us and this burden and, um, and pray for our pastors to, to open up this conversation. Um, we want to prevent further abortions, but we also want to bring healing and restoration to those sitting quietly in the pews, um, you know, with this deep, dark secret. Uh, and let Jesus fully heal them. Yes, somebody said to me recently that they didn't know anybody that had had an abortion or anybody. And it brought to my mind a little bit about what you've shared. Is that because the deep, dark secrets are yeah, held think, so tightly? I think, um, yeah, probably even a lot of my own Facebook friends don't even know that I had this in my past. And that I've carried this around because we carry it so very close to our hearts. Um, but yeah, it just, I think it's something that we need to shed light on. And mm. I think we'd be surprised even in the evangelical church, probably if I were to guess 15 to 20% in the evangelical church have had abortions. And that's based on a statistics from US evangelical churches it's probably more than that. So um, maybe we would be surprised and shocked 
this person that was been teaching Sunday school has a past, but we've been forgiven and redeemed and we're living a victorious life through Jesus now. So why is it so hard in the, in the church where it's a healing place? Uh, why is it so hard and so difficult for you to speak up or for anyone else? Well, I will be honest with you. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there and to share this um, because um, people have said some horrible things to me in the past or on their Facebook, not knowing what my history was, you know, about being murderers and, and just, they've just been really unkind. And we need to be a little bit more careful because we don't know what the circumstances are. And you don't know what somebody is carrying deep inside them. So I think that fear of judgment, that fear of condemnation from within the body holds us back. You know, but I, I think the time is coming where we can just bring that to the cross and just leave it there and let, let the Lord come in and just heal us from it. Every one of us is fallen and every one of us comes short of God's glory and every one of us uh, doesn't deserve forgiveness, but he offers it to us. And thank you so much. I know that it is a, a, a courageous step for you to be doing this uh, tonight. And uh, every time that you open your mouth now with your story, there are new friends that are finding this out about you. And, uh, and I just thank you so much for being willing to, to put yourself in this position because you have found the grace and the glory of God. You have found his forgiveness, his amazing grace, and you're living it. You glow, uh, Jennifer, and uh, I know that's not always true, but you're such a testimony to the transforming power of Jesus Christ in our lives, and that's what we're all about. You know, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, the Unborn Untold book, The Unborn Untold True Stories of Abortion and God's Healing Grace, won an award this year. Uh, actually, it's last year now. <laughs> We're into the new year. And it is the Deborah Figuth Social Justice Award. And Deborah Figuth was a gal, as a journalist and an activist from the West Coast of Canada. She died very suddenly at 62 years of age uh, in uh, 2016. But her motto was from Matthew, as you have done the least to these, my brethren, you have done it to me, as Jesus said. And uh, that was her motto. And for us to receive that award means that there was a, a social issue addressed, but that we had done it with compassion. And that has been the goal of the book, that we would tell the stories, not to embarrass, not to condemn, but to open up the conversation and allow healing. Because Jennifer, once you started telling your story, did you find that measure of healing? Yes. You know what? I've got to tell you, once it was out there, it was a burden lifted and uh, I just felt free from it. You know, um, yes, I still carry it around, you know, that is still part of my past, but um, by sharing it, it has lightened my burden and my heart. Um, my husband and my children all know my story. Um, so there's no, no secrets there. And 
I would share it again to anybody that would hear just just to stop stop even one more abortion from happening if I could. Wow, that's a, a great commitment to make a difference in one life is your passion. But I really do appreciate your your um, passion to get the stories into the church and let the church be the church, let the church be the lighthouse that it is called to be and the place of healing where we come to find the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jen, do you have any final thoughts for us as we're wrapping up tonight? Uh, thank you for this opportunity to share and to open up my heart to you and, uh, and to those listening. And I just ask for those who are watching this um, just to get involved, be involved, be in prayer, um, and just, um, and participate. Let's, let's take, take action and, uh, let's seek the Lord's will on this and, and let's, let's pursue it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. As, uh, as Amy had, uh, put on the, uh, slideshow that we'd had at the beginning, the pillars of our movement are be informed, mm -hmm. be involved and be in, and be in prayer. And so that's what we're asking all of you that are listening, either on Facebook Live or on the Zoom call. There's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And the more that join this movement, the more that join together, the more we will be able to make a difference in the narrative, in our community, in our province, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. Welcome, Amy. As we close off today, I invite you to be part of the Unborn Movement. There are several ways to be involved. Why not join the Unborn Movement Facebook page, get involved in a local pregnancy center, or start the conversation in your church, providing a safe place for stories to be told. For there is a lot of pain in the pews. Find out more about our ministry at wordstoinspire.ca or contact me, Ruth, at wordstoinspire.ca. Until next time, I'm Ruth Coghill for the Unborn Movement. Bye for now.